Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta SkyMiles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to one hundred dollars
Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. How's it going? And welcome to episode 124 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. You could follow me at 80 Grade. That's all spelled out. You can follow Kevin Hastings at Hastings Kevin on the Twitter machine. And Kevin's not here, but I am back. It's nice to be back behind the mic. And this week, very special episode for me as I'm bringing in a very close personal friend of mine who's been playing fantasy baseball with me for the past 23 years. His name's Pat Brown. He has been in my home league since, like I said, 23 years ago. And we'll talk a lot about that later because I know how everybody listening always wants to hear about the podcasters' home leagues and all the intricacies. And it's very useful for everybody. But you know what? That's It's my podcast. We're going to talk about that. So, Pat, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure. I don't know what the opposite of a ringer is, but I think that's what you have on the podcast today, but I'm happy to be here. I'll try to entertain your many loyal fans. I remember, obviously, when we started playing back in college in 2000, and then we started playing like free public leagues on Yahoo and what have you after playing for a couple years, and how important it was to like completely crush one of those leagues, and mm. or you'd feel really, really bad about yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was pretty easy to do, though, because the intensity of the league that we had was even in those days was so much higher than what your average even dynasty league is. I don't think I knew what it, what a dynasty league was then. Like we just called it a keeper league because we didn't realize there was a difference between keeper and dynasty. Yeah, we didn't add the minor league component until two or three years in. Yeah, 2004, <laughs> I think. Yeah. What I think what's slightly embarrassing now as we talk about we, on the show and, and in general, we talk about 15 teamers, 20 teamers. We talk about deep leagues a lot. Sure. Our league started as a six team league. Yes, six, six teams. And the standard, I think, 20, 22 or 23 man roster. So it has definitely grown a little bit deeper than that. Double, double the leagues. It is a t- standard 12 teamer course with the dynasty aspect you keep 21 out of 26 players from year to year it's it's been a lot of fun and we've had a pretty solid crew throughout the majority of that time and so obviously For sure, yeah you've got you go through some some owners here yeah, there, it's but- some churn along the edges down the middle <laughs> sometimes but yeah, for the most part, we've kept a really good crew and it's a great way to stay in touch. And I'm sure that's what a lot of listeners really appreciate about being in a fantasy league is just the way it keeps you in touch with your old friends. And we've been doing it for 20 plus years and it's always just a great excuse to get back together and give each other a hard time about who's up and who's down. It's been a tough uh, few years for me, so I'm looking forward to getting back in the mix this year. Sometimes um, it's not even standings. It's just single moves you make and you're like that, that haunt you all year round. Oh. And then we have to bring those up at our winter meeting in January. I have moves that have haunted me from nearly 20 years ago. (laughs) There's really, I could tell you some of the moves that I've made that I still regret to this day, but nobody wants to hear that. No. At least about me. Let's get into the actual news from actual baseball that might affect 
how you are looking at your fab pickups for this week if you are playing in said types of leagues. And you know what? I always think that these types of things are great to know, even if you're not playing in fab league, if you're playing in a fastest finger league, if you're playing in a weekly, daily moves, doesn't matter. A lot of these things are just going to impact how you're looking to set your lineups for the week, how, you know, what kind of players you're looking to fill your roster spots. So keep that in mind as well. This doesn't have to specifically look at your Sunday fab. It can, whatever time you're looking at picking up players. Let's start with the Yankees as we probably should do. The Yankees are going to be without their starting catcher, Jose Trevino. He goes on the IL with a right wrist tear and is expected to have season ending surgery to repair it. This move brings up Ben Rochefort from AAA to act as the new backup, presumably, for full-time starter Kyle Higashioka. But what I'm looking at, the more interesting move here is actually coming from the fact that their prospect, catching prospect Austin Wells was able to move from AA to AAA. Presumably, this allows Wells to prove himself at the highest minor league level before competing for a starting job over Trevino. Trevino says he'll be ready for spring training in 2024, but I would assume that this move puts Wells in the driver's seat to compete for that job out of spring training in 2024. That's a whole lot to say. I'm not really seeing much of an impact on the Yankees catcher situation for the rest of this season beyond possibly an early call up for Wells where they manipulate the time where maybe they call him up early with enough time to keep his rookie eligibility. I don't know, but do you see anything different than I do? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's an opera. Who knows where the Yankees are going to be in a month? They're really struggling without judge. And if they fall too far behind, they might even be sellers of the deadline. And if that's the case, maybe they want to get a look at Wells and see what he can do. He's one of those really well-regarded catching prospects that we've got so many of, it seems, all of a sudden in the minors. And might as well take a spin, see if they've got a Gary Sanchez part two. <laughs> I will say like... I mean that in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The good Gary. Hey, he had a moment in San Diego earlier yeah. this season. He had a moment. He's still hitting some dingers. He's just not we playing. We talk well. about him later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Well, the last time I feel like the Yankees were sellers was when they traded Chapman for Glaber Torres. The Cubs won the World Series and all that. And obviously, mm-hmm. they signed Chapman back. But um, it would be interesting, especially as an AL East we're Red Sox fans, and we've seen this for a long time. It would be interesting to see the Yankees actually sell. Any anything because that really ever never happens. I mean, it worked out pretty well for him last time, right? It's been it a few out years, really for everybody. I'm sure the Cubs would love to have Torres there now, but they really can't complain about what Chapman gave them. So yeah, it's always interesting when the Yankees sell because it's not really they never rebuild. It's always a reload, right? When you've got the assets that they have, it's it makes it a lot easier to pull the trigger on something like that, especially when you get a great prospect and they just pull out the checkbook and bring them back anyway. Bring them back in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's move away from New York, go all the way across the country to Oakland where the A's are going to be without first baseman Ryan Noda. Of course, their rule five pick. He's been pretty much starting at first base most of the season for them, whether in a platoon role or full-time role. He's going to be out for at least three weeks after having oral surgery. And Curious to see if you see anything coming out of Oakland as far as who's going to be filling in his playing time in that lineup and at first base. Mostly just a stench that seems to be kind of wafting from the West Coast. No, I think it seems like Seth Brown is getting those reps at first base right now, and that's not great, I think, for fantasy owners or for Oakland A's fans. But I don't know, maybe there's other options there. Again, we're talking about that catcher glut. A lot of those guys don't end up as catchers, and so maybe they have an opportunity for Soderstrom to to get some playing time there. 
Yeah, I will say Brown's been okay. And in a deeper league that he's going to be a little bit more valuable just because I agree. I think he's going to get more everyday playing time. We haven't, he's been sitting pretty much against every lefty. Every once in a while, he'll get a little rep in there. They have faced a lot of lefties in the last few weeks. He has gotten a couple of those where he ends up batting ninth in the order. But when he's facing a righty, he's batting fourth or fifth in that Oakland, that Oakland lineup that obviously is what we always want to have a piece of. But it is nice to know that if you do have him on a, like a 15-teamer, that you can rely on him getting at least more playing time. Hopefully that's a positive thing. All right, we'll go to Texas, who they will be sending somebody else to the IL as well, where all-star Corey Seager hits the IL with a sprain in his right thumb. He came up a little lame the other day, and then, yep, he's going on to the IL. He is expecting, he said that he only expects to be out for two weeks, a couple weeks or so, as his MRI did show no structural damage on that thumb. So we're all crossing our fingers that it comes back and Texas can continue to do what they're doing. It, it seems to me that Ezekiel Duran is, should get a cleaner runway at everyday playing time. He's already playing all over now. I would assume that he's going to get more runs specifically at the shortstop position in Texas. He obviously was, he's been some, a lot of people's favorites, especially with what he had done earlier, cooled off. Is Duran somebody that even in a sh- more shallower league, you might be going after if he's available, especially because he has all those positional eligibilities. Yeah, I think he's the kind of guy that you want to go after now because he's got the opportunity and he can do a lot of different things. And who knows, maybe he finds a, an everyday spot. And Seager certainly hasn't been the most reliable guy over the years in terms of health. He is a guy that can play all over the diamond. And so that can be really versatile and helpful for fantasy owners. And Seager's always just like one one swing away from going back on the IL too. You might end up with something that you think is a temporary situation that could end up being a season-long stash. Yeah, I'm assuming that we see a lot more of Duran on an everyday. He's been sitting randomly throughout the last couple of weeks against righties mostly, but he'll play against plenty of righties as well. And so I'm assuming that we will see just more consistent playing time from him. Hasn't been doing that great. Lately, maybe he turns it on with, like you said, a more consistent playing time. So keep an eye on that situation. Again, if that's somebody you're already being rostered, you might just have a little bit more confidence to play him regardless of any kind of matchups. Yeah, and some guys just need those reps. It seems like there's a lot of times you'll have a guy who, when they're getting yo-yoed all over the lineup, it can be really tough Mm -hmm. to get in that groove. But once you let them loose, they can get a little more comfortable. I wish Joe Adele could have got that opportunity before he went flying back on the the IL. You just feel so bad for that guy. Oh, man. Adele's just one of those guys, too. And you see this all the time. It's where, oh, he can't hit lefties. He gets that label right away. And granted, Adele can't hit lefties. I get that. But you get that label so early where you start questioning, did I ever get a chance to hit lefties? Are you actually going to give me that opportunity? And it is what it is. Milwaukee, they're calling up their prospect, Sal Frelick, who is on, I think, on MLB Pipeline's top 60 prospects right now on their most recent update. He started in right field, batted sixth in his debut on Saturday, talked about Milwaukee's outfield throughout the course of the season and in the early parts of the season where they're going to have a lot of young guys. And you're not really sure what to do in that situation. Frelick comes in with pretty much no pop. I'm not expecting anything in that realm, but still going to be able to bring in at least some speed. But batting sixth in that order, obviously, is not the most ideal situation for stealing bases and getting the most opportunities there. Is Frelick somebody that 
you know, you'd be interested in pretty much all formats just because of name recognition, or you have to have a very specific need? I think the specific need helps, obviously. And certainly if you're in a dynasty format, he's a must add. I think in redraft leagues, it might be worth taking a chance if you've got a guy you don't mind letting go, or if you've got a little bit of fab burn a hole in your pocket, he can make sense because sometimes it seems like teams have been much more aggressive with rookies this year, both pitchers and offense. And it seems sometimes you get a guy like Ellie Dela Cruz who just blows up. And if Relic has a big couple of weeks, but you might be able to spin him at a trade deadline too. And so that's something worth considering for teams that are in contention. Yeah, the trade deadline is not something we touch on a lot because obviously we're playing a lot of fabs. In the NFBC, there are no trades, but it has a really important point because I would hope that there are other people listening who do play in trade leagues where this is something you have to keep in mind. Like I said, he did bat sixth for the Brewers today, went three for three, scored a run, two RBIs. So obviously sixth, you're going to have more opportunities for RBIs as long as he hits. And he has shown that he can hit throughout his course, uh, throughout his time in the minor leagues. La- this Just this year in AAA, batting, it was one of his lower batting averages of his minor league career at 247. Last year at AAA, he finished the year at 365, 382, sorry, 365, 435, 508 slash in 189 at bats. That was just at triple A combined with his 317 average at double A. He did okay for himself. Obviously, there's a reason why he's he's ranked the way he is. Yeah. And I think sometimes with these prospects that come in with a reputation for being lighter hitters, sometimes something can click for them when they get to the majors. I think a teammate of Sal's, Christian Yellick, right? He wasn't super well regarded in terms of power when he was coming out. And and he's regressed a little bit back to that, but he's still this a guy year, who man. now, you know, yeah, he's hitting the ball well again. So who knows? So I never want to take it for granted that if a guy says he's a little bit light with the power that he's never going to develop into something, especially if his all around skills are solid. So you take a chance on the name and the pedigree and I think good things can happen. Yeah, I do wonder how long Frelick has in the Brewers outfield and if if they get a little bit healthier maybe they make some moves at the deadline we'll see where they're at they're actually doing okay for themselves in the standings not sure where they're going to be at the deadline I'll be curious to see how much of a leash he actually gets throughout the rest of the 2023 yeah and it's interesting that some of these teams that are in contention are being so aggressive with their call-ups it's similar look what happened is happening in Baltimore right now they're calling up a new, a new top prospect every week and then Kowser's sitting a good chunk of the time which is a strange move, you would think. If you have the depth, why not take advantage of it? If you think these guys are going to be on the right track, no matter what. Yeah, of course. There's the other side of that coin is something you touched on earlier is whether or not they're going to get those regular reps and if they're going to stay. Yeah, they mess with their maybe is it better to send them back to AAA so that they can play every day? Which that's a whole different argument about time manipulation and what have you. So we're a little early in the season to get into all of that. All right, let's go over back to New York where the Mets, they are losing Starling Marte for at least a minimum stay in the IL as he's experiencing migraines. And I know that not every migraine is created equal. So for him to go on the 10-day IL, I got to assume that this is definitely on the higher end of that spectrum. And I hope he gets through that as quickly as possible. But in the meantime, they are getting Mark Vientos up from AAA. Are you? The Mets have been calling, not like Baltimore per se, but they've been calling up a a couple of different prospects, especially on the hitting side. And you get excited about them for for name recognition and what they've done in the minors, but then you don't see a role 
for them to move into in, in the Mets lineup, at least everyday role. And I would have thought that Vientos might have gotten more run because Tommy Pham got injured and everybody was expecting him to go on the IL. He was back in the lineup. Are you expecting any kind of playing time for Vientos or to or at least enough runway for him to do something worth being interested in? I hope so. I'd really like to see, and I think maybe Mets fans want to see what they have with this kid too. He's got a lot of power in theory. We haven't really seen it at the major league level. And so I think it's an opportunity to let him work out some of these problems that he has with strikeouts at the big league level. A lot of these players, there's only so much they're going to learn AAA. And I know Vientos wasn't exactly tearing the cover off the ball down there, but sometimes it just needs the opportunity to do it at the big leagues, to be with the big league guys, to learn from some of those players. And if he gets the opportunity... What do the Mets have to lose this year? Might as well let them play. And migraines are scary. If Marte, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. So might as well give an opportunity to somebody who I think people are excited about. Yeah. As we're recording this on Saturday, he did start that game at DH, a batted seventh. Went two for four at the run in an RBI. They did face a lefty on the mound to start that game. So at worst, Maybe this is a short side platoon with Vogelbach getting most of the reps at DH against righties. Vientos plays DH against lefties. Maybe he fills in the infield against some righties on other times. Cross your fingers. Hopefully he gets something. Some opportunity. I hope he gets more. We know what we have in Vogelbach, and I don't think it's that exciting for fantasy fans or Mets fans for that matter. (laughs) There's not much that they're smiling about as Mets fans at the moment. Sorry, Schwebzy and everybody else listening. All right. I like how I just assumed that Schwebzy was listening, and, and it's probably not the case. St. Louis Cardinals, they activated Tyler O'Neill after DFAing former MVP vote recipient Ryan Tapera. I really don't have anything to say. I just wanted to mention that Ryan Tapera got an MVP vote at one point when he was with the Cubs. Are you, do you expect O'Neill to be traded at the deadline? That's the biggest rumor is that St. Louis wants to get him in every game because they weren't getting him in every game before his injury. But now that yeah. he's back from his injury and the trade deadline is two weeks away, are you assuming that St. Louis, who has already stated that they are going to be sellers, or at least they are taking phone calls, they've already made one trade, trading Jess Cabrera to the Blue Jays after DFAing him, do you expect O'Neill to go somewhere and... Does it actually help or hurt his value if he goes pretty much anywhere else? That's tough to say. He's a great player, or at least he had a great year, (laughs) right? (laughs) And he hasn't really come back from that. But he's the kind of guy that we were always expecting to be great. And so I think sometimes those guys just need a change of scenery and he can get back to where he was a couple of years ago. And the situation in St. Louis is so bad right now. I think that almost any move could only help his fantasy value. Yeah, it seems like the Cardinal magic or devil magic has completely run out in St. Louis. The Bill came um, due. No. <laughs> Bill the, <K>. Piper. <laughs> but it would be very appropriate if the Cardinals traded an outfielder to somebody else and they became something spectacular. Obviously, Randy <laughs> Rosarina. Colorado. I mean, it's not, I don't know why Colorado would do that, but they just owe him one after, you know. Is he old enough? Holiday, I mean, Arenado. He, yeah, he might be old enough to finally start in Colorado. Colorado has a very specific need of only having guys that are much older than their actually talented prospects that are coming up. Uh, yeah, whatever they can do to block the play. kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, this is something I didn't think I would say for quite a long time, but the first place Baltimore Orioles, they jumped on the trade wagon early. Talk about the trade deadline coming up in a couple of weeks, but they grabbed Shintaro Fujinami from the Oakland A's. Fujinami, he started off terribly in the rotation 
for the A's, but really turned things around, especially since moving into the bullpen and full-time bullpen role, moving up the pecking order in Oakland. He was my favorite take to take over closing duties in Oakland once Trevor May was traded. May is still sitting on the wire in our dynasty league. And just because I'm, we're all on the assumption that one, Oakland's not very good, even though May's getting a saves here or there in this head-to-head dynasty league, knowing that Trevor May is probably not long for the Oakland A's bullpen at, after August 2nd, and he won't be closing wherever he goes somewhere else. Hence, he's still on the wire. Do you think there's anyone else in that Oakland bullpen that you, that's worth picking up as any kind of speculation? I want to say somebody, but I feel like how much value is there in Oakland? It's just how many saves are they actually going to get? It's just so hard to make any recommendations there when even if a guy does become the guy, what's he going to get? Five or six saves maybe the rest of the way? I'm sure yeah. it's a difference maker for somebody, but yeah, I don't see anybody taking over in a way that's going to make it worth the juices and worth the squeeze there for me. Yeah, we had the same conversation with Jay Crumpler two weeks ago, and we're talking specifically about the Kansas City situation with Carlos Hernandez, right. who's expected to take over as closer for them. But again, how many saves does he actually get? Especially in a Roto League, that matters. It's, <laughs> it's no different than maybe you get lucky in a head-to-head league and he gets two or three saves in the week that you need him to do that. But in a Roto League, if you're specking on him for two months worth of work, he better be putting himself in an opportunity or... Get, they might they better be putting him in an opportunity to get those extra saves. And I agree with you. Oakland's not a bullpen that I'm going to be speckling on, at least not this week, maybe right after the trade deadline, if there's a very clear name. But Fab dollars are not, not there's not a whole lot of them to go through at this stage of the game in most situations. Yeah, take it from a guy who rode that Chicago Cubs closer oh, carousel. <laughs> I was in, in it. I was in that with you. Ways. Yeah, yeah. Fulmer, Boxberger, like ultimately I landed on Alzale and I'm happy about that. It's actually working out pretty well lately, but oh man, I had to kiss a few toads to to get my prints there. It was not pretty. All right. Yeah. Alzale seems to be holding onto that job with a iron fist at the moment. We'll, we'll think see. It Arbitration <laughs> is a real thing. Let's just keep that in mind. All right. In the, in the most, whatever kind of news you want to call this, Jared Kellenick, he broke his foot doing exactly what you'd expect. He kicked a water cooler after after striking out. Obviously, really pissed. I'm hoping the water cooler was full. I haven't seen a word <laughs> on this. My first picture was in my mind was that the water cooler was empty. It was just like one of those bubbler bottles sitting on the ground, and he just kicked it just in the, the perfectly wrong... I'm hoping it was full, and that's just how it worked out. It does seem like, though, Pat, that there's always, at least recently... There's been one of these self-induced anger management injuries each year. And I immediately think just two years ago, Huascar Yunoa broke his hand after getting pissed off about his poor outing. He punched the clubhouse bench. Is there any is there any injury that kind of pop, pops in mind to you when it comes to like just these kind of like anger management or just freak injuries? Yeah, baseball has a rich history of freakish injuries, strangely <laughs> enough. And there's always the classic, the pitcher gives up a bunch of runs, punches a bullpen door, pitches the wall, something like that, and breaks his hand. That's history's littered with those. I think maybe my favorite freakish injury is Sammy Sosa sneezing really hard and like pulling a muscle in his back. <laughs> that was a classic. But and who was it? They they were moving a, a vase and they, they like smashed it or cut their fingers. I don't know. There's been a oh, lot man. of weird oh. ones. And then my favorite of all time though are the cover up ones, right? Where you have somebody like 
Jeff Kent claimed to break his oh, wrist yeah. washing his truck. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, that's a weird injury. I guess he really, he goes really heavy on the suds when he washes his truck. And it's very uncareful, un- <laughs> I guess, when he's around it. But of course, it turned out he was riding his motorcycle, which was prohibited in his contract. And that's what got him. Aaron yep, Boone yep. playing ball. I'll yep, always be yep. happy about that Me, one after what yeah. he did to us in 03. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Adam Eaton slipped on the dugout steps a couple of years ago in Washington. I yeah. think that's what that was Adam Eaton. I, I was going by, we were talking about this before the show started and I had to Google it. I'm going to give Ben Palmer a shout out, a picture list. A couple of years ago, he wrote an article of the 20 of the weirdest injuries in MLB history. So Google that. There's a couple of really good ones on there. But the one that kind of fits this bill here is Brian Roberts got mad at himself. He hit himself in the head. He got a concussion, which Ben points out was sad because he never really came back from that instance. He's had concussion problems ever since for the rest of his career. But he struck out. Those traumatic Uh, brain injuries. Yeah, but he struck out. He got angry. He smacked himself in the helmet with his bat. He's just hit, boom, hit himself in the head. You hate to see it. Gotta control your emotions. (laughs) I feel bad for Kalanick, though, because he was finally starting to round into form earlier this season he's struggled a little bit lately as the league has figured him out a little bit again you got to make the adjustments to the adjustments that's what it's all about becoming a big leaguer but did you see the interview with him afterwards on the dugout i didn't watch the whole thing i just don't think i could get really get through it (laughs) this is just a guy who's struggling to contain his emotions whether it's anger (laughs) sadness i really feel for him i hope he is able to get the help he needs to keep his career on track because he's an exciting player when it's all going well. So hopefully he can get this under control and maybe take this an opportunity to work on some meditation. That's something that can really calm you down and maybe have some help him with his focus on the field too. Who knows? Yeah, it really comes down to, we've seen so many guys this season in baseball go on the IL for mental health reasons. And it's mm-hmm. really the first time we've seen this out in public. I'm sure there's been a couple in the past that have just been hidden and they just put it in for some other reason and the guy just needs to get their head right, but they don't put it out there. Austin Meadows comes to mind. Trevor May was on the IL, same reason. And so more power to these guys for actually coming out and saying what the issue is and having to get through it and coming back. Obviously, May came back, Daniel Bard came back and did well for themselves. Nick obviously has some a lot on his mind, whether any he takes what he does on the field very personally. It just seems as though to get back to the question at hand really is the Seattle outfield had all the potential in the world two and a half years ago, like almost had two, a gluttony of talent. And obviously, like you said, really come into his own earlier in the season, has to adjust to the adjustments and all that. But between him and Julio Rodriguez and at the time, Kyle Lewis, even rookie of the year, right now they are short in the outfield specifically they have also lost aj pollock he goes on the il with a hamstring strain they bring up taylor trammell who is also in that conversation obviously has not worked out for him on the field at the majors thus far do you is this is this the opportunity trammell needed to like really get going he did not start the day that they called him up do you see him actually being able to put it together and be a name we actually care about in fantasy Probably not, no. No, oh, okay. We'll move on there. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? I, I think Kalanick really is the guy that they need to, and they're going to give him every opportunity to come back and pull himself together. I question uh, whether or not he's going to come back this year, If depending on how quickly that foot heals, obviously. We'll see. And where Seattle is 
in the playoff picture come September is one of those things where I wonder if you just let them heal throughout the September and don't force them back early. Yeah, maybe, but you probably want to get a little momentum, especially he's, he really feels like he let those guys down. They probably want to get his head right and have some positive moments to build on for next year. And mm-hmm. I don't know the specifics with the injury, but I know Jazz came back from Jazz Chisholm came back from a what seemed like a pretty bad toe injury that he's going to need off-season surgery for and he came back hit a home run pulled his oblique but looked great before that <laughs> only different so, part of the body though <laughs> so who knows if he can come back and get something done we'll see but i feel for the kid i hope he's all right agreed all right that's gonna that's gonna lock up our news section of the pod of course there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happened over the course of the week to catch up on everything you need to know on a daily basis you should be listening to the first pitch podcast with casey bubba and jake crumpler on the weekends they break down all the news highlights and observations from every day's worth of games as well as looking ahead at each slate to keep you up to date with everything you need to know to win your fantasy league throughout the course of the season at just a moment we're going to come back from our quick break and just talk about talk like I, I tease it at the beginning. We're going to talk about our dynasty league that's been going around for 23 years now and how that actually helps play in other types of leagues as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit more right after this. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we are back. Of course, you are still listening to On The Wire. I am Adam Howe. I am joined by Pat Brown this week of the AC, and that is our home dynasty league that's been going on since 2001. It is a 12-team, head-to-head style. You got the playoffs. You got you, you got your minor league system. A lot of aspects of it are pretty standard, if you will, as far as your dynasty aspect of a league goes. It's the fact that we've... This league has been going on for 23 years. We have have so many of just little nuances of the league that keep it interesting. We talked about it earlier on. We have seen some rotation of ownership, but the good core, I would say like a good core of eight teams have been in the league for over a decade now as part of, of this ongoing league. You can actually follow the league at ACC Trade. It's in, I'm spelling, I should probably spell that out because, of course, we don't. <laughs> it's EHCC Trade. I'm not going to try to explain it. It's just EHCC Trade. It's fun. Of course, this is one of those nuances that I alluded to that, yes, our league has its own Twitter account. All the teams have their own Twitter accounts. We all have like 12 followers. And then just the fact that Speaking we have... Yourself, I'm kind of, I weirdly have 50. I don't know how many of those are bots, but... <laughs> oh, you know how many of those are bots. <laughs> what, 48? <laughs> yeah. 
how many burners have you created just so you could get up to 50? Oh, I just have the one, although it is an ACC reporter, so I think it's okay. And that's the other thing is that we have these extra personas that we've all created that report on our Twitter. This is a very secluded league. It's very inside baseball, which is appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I go back, I started playing a little bit more like, more public, more the higher end leagues in the NFBC and like paid leagues and stuff like that. Money leagues, if you will. In the last couple of years, I've gotten more into that. And I would say that no matter what, I always end up coming back to this league, to the ACC. And it has a lot to do with, obviously, like you said, this is a league that keeps me connected to a good core group of friends. Most of them I went to college with back in the early aughts, if that's what the kids are calling it. Kids are calling it that, but <laughs> no, they're not, no. <laughs> us elder millennials are. <laughs> and it just it makes it actually playing in all these other leagues that I've been playing in actually makes the ECC more important to me, I think. You've been playing in it just as long as I have. What would you say that, and now you're, you're coming on this podcast with me, which I appreciate. So nobody has to listen to me do this solo again. What uh, you've tried out other leagues as well. And obviously you just keep going back to that. What keeps you like connected to this type of a league rather than spreading your wings more often into different formats? I've certainly done other leagues and have done many redraft leagues, public leagues, money leagues, all kinds of points leagues, all kinds of stuff over the years. And for me, at a certain point, it becomes the history of the league, right? It's, we've got 20 plus years of rivalries and trash talk and legacies of players and all that different stuff that, that makes the league so fun. I've never won a dime from the ACC but I put probably thousands of dollars worth of research and energy. Sweat equity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of that. To, just to try to claw my way to the top. And I'm honestly the biggest claim to fame. We were joking about it before the podcast, but my biggest claim to fame for being on this podcast is beating you in the championship. <laughs> that was and a while so, ago. You know, all right. <laughs> it was a while ago. It's true. I've been down on my luck for a few years now. I sold out to get that last championship, much like Bill Belichick and much like Bill Belichick. I'm, reaping what I sowed. Yeah, <laughs> Got to live with that. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I think we've gotten to a point too, where a good chunk of us all have kids and we're look, thinking about legacy. It's like, all right, how long can we keep this going where we can actually pass it down to, <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to your the next kid, generation? Um, yeah. Just keep this going as strong as, as long as possible. Cause you hear people talking about their home leagues on different podcasts and different things and whatnot. And I think that it's really important to have that connection with not only that group of people, but just like the consistency of that one league and, it's nice to be able to play in a bunch of leagues where I have the opportunity to draft players that I could never roster in the AC with, as a dynasty league trades happen, you get connected to these players and you don't want to get rid of them. Some teams are a little bit stronger on that than others, but there's, there's not, there's a chance your favorite player you'll never be able to roster in this league. So it is nice to be able to play in a bunch of other leagues where you're able to do that, but I'll never have the connection with a group of, 11 or 14 other managers in a fancy league that I play that I have with this group. And to I say nothing that- of the connection with the players, right? You're the guy who drafted David Wright when he was still in the minor leagues and became so enamored with the guy, and rightfully he was a stud for many years, that you actually took his bobblehead and painted it <laughs> to the colors of your team. Yes. 
and displayed it in our apartment for many years. And it was a great conversation piece. (laughs) I have very few bobbleheads and that, that is one of them. Yes. I actually, I bought a file and I filed off the Mets logo (laughs) off his chest and I painted my team logo right on there. It was incredible. It was incredible. And that's the kind of, yeah, that's the kind of dedication you have. Nowadays, you probably don't have that kind of free time, but still, you've got the Vlad Guerrero t-shirt and <laughs> you'll wear that proudly. And I know I will never be able to trade for him because of that. <laughs> <laughs> that is the rule. That is the rule I've come up with. If I buy your jersey, I will not trade you in the AC. And Fair. if it's not a Red Sox player, I won't buy the jersey unless he's on my AC roster. Players out there, if I am Matt Kane, I did trade Matt Kane, but I do have a Matt Kane jersey. Kane forced your hand though. I did the same thing with Tim Lincecum, right? I didn't want to give him up at a certain point. Uh, you're the greatest pitcher I've ever seen, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I get what I can. <laughs> he wasn't mad. He was cool. With that. No, he's cool. With it. Yeah, he understood. I get that. He's a cool. He, guy. He's a chill guy. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a real chill dude. <laughs> yeah, I really just wanted to take this time, obviously, to to think about that. We're going. Obviously, we have our trade deadline coming up. It's right alongside with the with the MLB trade deadline in. There's some nuances to our trade deadline this year, but for the most part, that's coming up. So that's a fun time. We saw Kershaw get traded for the first time earlier today. Not happy about that. <laughs> Not so much that you wanted Kershaw, but just- I just you know, wanted him to cost more. <laughs> I can't believe it. I know he's not the same guy he once was, but he still has value. Jack Leiter? Come on. That guy's... <laughs> we'll I'll, I'm going to put it on your podcast now, so I'm really going to tie myself to it. That guy will never <laughs> amount to anything in the major leagues. He's like Brandon Fat, except he hasn't had success in the minors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. Them fighting words. Fought looked yeah. pretty good today, though, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, Andrew, if you're listening, which you are not. You, you need to be so you can properly evaluate players in the future. I definitely recommend you listen to this podcast and all the Fine Pitcher List Network podcasts because you clearly need the help. There you go. All right. I appreciate the shout out there. We're gonna, we are going to move on, though. We do have some fab to talk about. Fab is coming up on Sunday night, as it tends to do in most of your weekly style leagues. We will get into some recommendations right after this quick break. All right, we are back once again, of course, on The Wire. Adam Howe hosting with Pat Brown, who is going to be doing his best to talk about the guys he'd be looking at this week, same as I will. So we're going to go category by category, as we tend to do, starting off with the power power category. And I'm going to start this off. I was going to let you start it off, but I just saw that the guy I'm about to talk about was just dra- was just dropped, like literally as we started recording in the ACC. But I'm going to go ahead and recommend him anyway. Mike Ford is somebody that I'd be looking at in the power categories, looking for home runs, looking for RBIs, playing for Seattle with whole bunch of injuries he does seem like he has a little bit of a platoon going on but he should be facing three righties for the first half of the week in minnesota arizona may throw out two lefties though so this is something you might want to consider if he's already in your lineup he is rostered in 96 percent of the main events just 34 percent in the online championships and just six percent maybe that percentage just went down a little bit in yahoo with that drop but 
you might want be able to start him for three games in the first half of the week. NFBC, you do switch out your lineups on Fridays, at least your hitters, and you might be able to sit him over the weekend as he may face a couple of lefties there. But he's already DHing pretty much every day against righties. Probably due, in, due to these injuries we talked about earlier, he's moved from the bottom third of the to the middle of the Mariners lineup. So anytime you can see that kind of adjustment, you you want to take note. He already has 10 bombs with the only 115 plate appearances going into Saturday. All three of those plate appearances have come against righties, so he's not even getting any opportunities against lefties. He does have a double in one of those three plate appearances against lefties, so it seems to be a pretty strict platoon, but definitely has the power. 29.6% hard contact rate. Of course, that is hard hits over plate appearances rather than hard hits over batted ball events. A little bit more conducive for knowing if you're actually putting in good contact, not just hard hit balls. MLB average for context is 26.6, so it is three points higher than the average player right now. So Mike Ford, especially a 12-teamer move, he's not available in a whole lot of 15s right now. But if he is available in one or two main event, those 15-teamers on NFBC, take a look to see if he's available especially in the first half of the week, he you could take advantage in that situation. I'm going to go ahead and let you grab a player or two off your list as I collect myself from that. But Mike Ford, again, Seattle, mostly DH, but available in other positions, depending on your format. Some I'm, I'm going to stump for my boy, Alex Karoloff in Minnesota. I don't know. Main event numbers, probably he's probably pretty well-owned, but if you didn't strike on him this week, this might be your last chance to get him before he really takes off because he's finally showing us something. He's got four home runs in the last week. His ownership rates in Yahoo have dropped for, have jumped 14%. And I don't know, I think he might finally be over those wrist injuries that have plagued him for the last few years mm. and really seem to sap that power. He's been hitting all year. He's been really solid in terms of average and getting on base, but he just hasn't been showing the pop that he really made his name on in the minors. And I don't know. I'm, crossing my fingers i think this might be it he might finally be showing us the guy that we thought we were getting when he was called up yeah those wrist injuries are the reason i traded him to you a couple of years ago in the acc and it only got worse yeah yes he's only got hot when he's hot he's hot and he's he's doing good things he is like you mentioned 96 percent rostered in the main event i think 70 some odd percent in the online championships so still available in a couple places and if you know you need that hot streak you want to ride that while those wrists are healthy by all means check if he's available he is batting in the top third of that minnesota lineup every single day regardless he when he does sit he does sit against the lefty but he hits against lefties as well minnesota's always dealing with their own set of injuries especially on the hitting side so as long as he's healthy he's gonna get the time yeah and he's not really on one of those strict platoons either he's out there pretty much every day and he's been contributing all year it's just now we're actually seeing the power so this might be your last chance to jump on board yeah i like it all right we talked about ryan noda earlier if you are actually i have ryan noda in a couple places mostly in my corner every once in a while i'll throw him in my first base if i need to be flexible but if you were relying on him you might be looking at trey cabbage out of los or out of anaheim excuse me i don't want to offend any los angeles who's <laughs> out there that that No, that's obviously not part of Los Angeles. He also, in a a platoon, just got called up recently. 19% roster in the main event still, so plenty available in pretty much everywhere. Deeply play here. 
He should be facing all right-handed pitchers while in Detroit. Toronto might throw Kikuchi out there Well, Anaheim is visiting. So he might sit once in the weekend series, but still should face five out of six right-handers. So even if he is continuing to do the platoon, he should get plenty of run as LA is... Oh man, we're really going to hear about it. Anaheim is really dealing with all of their own injury issues at the moment. So he, you're going to talk about him. Next, Mike Moustakis has been moving from first to third. Cabbage has been pretty much taking over first base there. This is a guy that you see this every every year. There's always that like that 26-year-old quad A type of guy who did pretty much nothing most of the time. And then all of a sudden, his final year, 26 years old, in triple A, 23 home runs, 24 stolen bases. Yeah, of course, he should be doing that, especially in the PCL. But he still did it, and that's really what matters. And he's getting the run by the angels at first base that you should continue to see that. And if you need that power and that pop, it's something, especially if you were a team like me that was relying on Noda cabbage might be a pretty much a one for one replacement here. Yeah. Nelson Cruz made quite a career out of being a guy who was labeled quad a for a long time. And when he finally got the chance to really bring it, he clearly showed he was more than that. So if you've got power, you'll always have a chance in this league. I think he could be a good pickup in that regard. Yeah. He touched on a little bit. I think your old friend Moose is back hitting dongs. He's got three in the last week, which triples makes it safe. Triples is best. <laughs> triples so, is best. Triples is best. So I, I don't know. He's not going to win you much in batting average. That was never really his thing, though. And he's looked healthier than he has in a while. And so with the unsettled situation over there in, in Anaheim, although don't beat yourself up too much about calling it Los Angeles. <laughs> if, if the owner of the team thinks they're from Los Angeles, what can you do? <laughs> you can't argue with that. But yeah, Moose might have have some value too down the stretch. I think if he's really healthy, we know what he can do power wise, and so he could definitely help some teams down the stretch. Yeah, if I want to find something to argue with Art Moreno, I will find many things that I could easily argue with him. Maybe just basically the way he runs the Angels and giving Mike Trout an actual opportunity to win. We'll start with that. All right, I like that. You got one more on here, though. Go ahead and touch on not rostered at all in Yahoo. I think probably been going up and down in the NFBC. I'm going to look that up real quick. Alec Thomas, 14% rostered in the online championship. That's the standard 12-teamers out there. And then... That's Lane Thomas. I don't care about him right now. He is readily readily rostered, 93% rostered in the main event. So still readily available in those 12 teamers and 2% in Yahoo. Why are you looking at Alec Thomas? I think he's, since he's come up, I think he figured something out while he was in the minors. And unfortunately, the D-backs have put him in another one of these strong side platoons. But it seems to be working for him. He really feels he's turned a corner. He's been hitting the nine hole, which has limited the RBI opportunities a bit, but I could see him moving up if he keeps flashing the power and speed that he's shown since his return. He's scoring runs. He's showing some power. It might be a little bit of a post-type mini breakout for him. I like it. Yeah, I think we've talked about Alec Thomas on and off a couple times throughout the course of the season. Of course, when you have a player of that kind of talent level and he moves up and down between the minors and the majors, you're going to bring him up from time to time for sure. All right, let's get some speed guys out of the way here. Pat, why don't you start us off with somebody, and I'll move on to my guy in a second. So I'll talk a little bit about our friend Tony Kemp. You guys have talked him up a little bit in the past, but with Estuary Ruiz out, he's sitting atop that very potent Oakland lineup that we've talked about, and he's making the most of it. it. 
Yeah, he's doing all right for himself. He's been hitting over 300 the last week. He's got a pair of steals, some runs. So I think he could be a valuable team for a valuable guy for teams looking for a spark. So he's also got the positional flexibility, which is nice. You can plug him into those middle infield spots as well as outfield. You have that going for you too, which is nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Second base, middle infield, obviously nice to have on top of the outfield for the A's 40% rostered in the main event. Somebody like you mentioned, I talked about a couple weeks ago, right before he went on a nice little hot streak. I actually picked him up in, in the ACC as well. For exactly, I got exactly, I got what I needed out of (laughs) him. It was like two days. He was on the roster for two days. And I'm like, oh, you got me my stolen base on the day I needed you to steal a base. All right, you're done. Sorry. If you're looking for somebody with a little bit more consistency in, especially in a roto league, you could ride that out for sure. I'm going to act on that one. You knew exactly. (laughs) He's going to come in, steal a base, then hit the road, kid. Yep. That's all I need. All right. I'm looking at. Travis Janikowski right now, 62% roster in the main event. So still available in two thirds of leagues or in a third of leagues there in the 15 teamers, still readily available in 12 teamers at 13% in the online championship, 4% on Yahoo. He is sitting pretty much every day against left-handed pitching again, but he's again, he's slated to face five of six right-handed starters next week, two of three at Houston and three of three scheduled. If you're looking at least I'm, if you're, abiding by roster resources probable starter grid he'll have three right-handed starters at san diego he just moved to second in the texas lineup where he'd been pretty much at the bottom third of their lineup as recent so if that sticks obviously that plays a big role and if he bats in the top third of that lineup again on sunday it will obviously give more attention to him and you might need to spend a couple of extra dollars in fab to grab him but the re the main reason i'm looking at janikowski we have all seen the streaks that he goes on to steal bases and if you look at what he what the league has done since july 1st he janikowski is in the excuse me he is in the the top 10 of stolen base opportunities taken. So basically he's taking every opportunity that he has ahead of them. And he's six for six since July 1st on the base pass when stealing second base, or that's the thing I'm focusing on the most. And he's taken 40% of those opportunities that he's given. So as long as he continues to get on first base, all the jokes right now are Ellie De La Cruz can't steal first base so he can't he hasn't been able to steal any more bases Janikowski has actually found a way to get on first base I so he, past him. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like ellie might be able to figure it out we'll have to wait and see and not in the last two weeks but Janikowski, Janikowski is somebody for depth for stolen bases something i tweeted out a couple earlier this week or last week there's obviously everybody knows that there's stolen bases up the wazoo this year it's gone crazy, obviously, and it was expected. Just didn't really know exactly how it was going to happen. What we're seeing is that, yes, there are a lot well, of bases, stealing all and of- more people are stealing bases, but the good chunk of them are all coming from the guys you expected to steal bases anyway. So they're going up, and the ones that are going up on the lower end are not going up that much. So we're really in the same boat. Like as a fantasy, as fantasy players, you're really in the same boat. If you drafted high speed guys, you're good. You're looking good at the top of your stolen base standings. And you're really struck. If you were hoping for those middling guys to carry you or those lower guys to come up and carry you more and kind of even the playing field, that's not happening. So if you are in that situation, Jankowski and any of these guys we're talking about, you, you need to really keep be streaming these guys a little bit more readily in order to play catch up. 
it's been a lot harder to do than you maybe would have thought at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I definitely expected the stolen bases to really increase in a lot of different areas. I think there's been a few buyers here and there, maybe guys who used to steal zero bases now will steal two. But yeah, for the most part, it's been the guys you expect just racking them up in, in hordes. Yeah, you got Esri Ruiz, you got Acuna, you got... Wander Franco's been one of the more pleasant surprises as far as guy you didn't really think was going to steal bases throughout his career, and then he just skyrocketed. But he this really hasn't been the case in in general purposes for those types of players. You got a couple other guys you want to touch on here that you got on the rundown and let you do that, as I love that you're going to bring up this first guy because I this has just been somebody I've been on and off all season. He's just been somebody I've been streaming off the wire in most of my leagues. Yeah, I'm. so we're talking, of course, about John Birdie. When you're talking about positional flexibility, Birdie's the guy, right? He's eligible almost everywhere on the field. And he's really the perfect bench player in that regard because you can plug him in anywhere whenever one of your starters has an off day. And you can just put him in an outfield, you put him in the infield, plug him into one of those middle infield spots, and he'll go in anywhere, and he'll probably steal you a base while he's at it. He's even been hitting pretty well the last few weeks. He's been hitting 571, doing his best uh, Luis Araya's impersonation. And <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. A few bases. <laughs> hey, hey. 571 the last two weeks. It's not bad. You can't sneeze at that. Yeah, the thing holding Birdie back, obviously, is he just never... Miami doesn't start him. He, he doesn't get started, but he finds his way into the game, and he'll get to yeah. maybe even three plate appearances after getting put into the game. And like you said, he'll still steal a base for you, even on the games that he doesn't necessarily start. He still has that speed. His, his speed has been going down. He's not going to steal 40 again. But when he has the opportunity, he's still taking them in Miami's allowing him to do. He's he's a tough one to he's a tough one to put into an everyday, a weekly lineup because you just don't know how much he's actually going to play in a daily moves thing is even harder because it's like if he doesn't start, there's no guarantee he's going to get into the game. But at the same time, you, you look at his track record. And Miami finds a way to put him into the game. Mm-hmm. It's a pinch runner. It's a pinch hitter halfway through when they change the starter, whatever it is. He does. He is racking up more plate appearances than it would seem based on his game started. Yeah, he's the kind of guy, even if you see the red X next to his name, you can feel comfortable leaving him in there and knowing that he still might get you the stats that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy I was going to talk about real quick is just Drew Waters, who I think is a little bit of both. He can give you a little bit of pop and a little bit of speed. Seems like he's a little bit undervalued, surprisingly, this year, because he hasn't been bad. He was obviously hurt for the beginning of the year. And now that he's back, he's getting a lot of playing time. He's getting all the run he can handle. And it's not as if Kansas City is going anywhere. So they've got all the incentive in the world to just ride out any rough batches he has. But he's been hitting a home run here and there, stealing some bases, kind of guy that could still provide some value down the stretch for teams. Yeah, Drew Waters, somebody that I think Kevin mentioned a couple of weeks ago is just one of these guys where, where the tendency of Kansas City to not let guys run until they prove that they can get on base and hit. But Waters has had that experience in the past. Of He was a prospect who could do a little bit of both. He wasn't a speedster, but at the same time, he was very athletic, playing center field. He, he has the ability to run the bases. And the fact that he is hitting a little bit, Kansas City feels like, okay, fine, you can hit, you can get on base. 
we'll let you do what you need to do on the basis. It's coming to fruition as Kevin alluded to a couple of weeks ago. All right, let's talk about some guys that might have a good opportunity. I got a question about two players and get your take on that, Pat. And But before we do that, I always talk about the schedule coming up for next week to consider as you are debating on what players to put your bids on. There are only four teams that have a full seven-game work week next week. That's Cleveland, Detroit, Washington, and St. Louis. They have seven games next week. There are six teams that have two off days. We haven't seen this in a while where a bunch of teams have a pair of off days. Monday and Thursday off for Boston, the Yankees, Tampa Bay, Oakland, Atlanta, and Miami. They only have the five games. Everybody else has the six games. Colorado, as I always point out, they are on the road to start the week with three at Washington, and then they come home for a weekend series against the Oakland Athletics. Oakland A's, as potent as they are off the road, imagine what they're going to be like in Colorado. So we have that going for them. So two guys I really want to, I want to talk about real quick on this. And these are guys that are pretty readily rostered in the main event, but they're, so these are more 12 team plays. They're both 69% rostered in the online championship. They're both 13% rostered in Yahoo. So readily available in Yahoo. And I always point out most Yahoo leagues are three outfielders, one utility, or maybe two utilities. Um, And so obviously just even being a 12 teamer with less outfield options, outfield rostership in Yahoo is usually a lot less than what we would see in the NFBC. Our league, plays 14, plays four outfielders in one utility. So it's very similar for rostership in, in there as well. But I'm going to talk about Will Benson and versus Kerry Carpenter. Will Benson obviously blowing up for Cincinnati right now. Kerry Carpenter went through his own little streak with Detroit after he came back from his injury. As I talked about him a couple of weeks ago as he was coming back. I'm going to talk, Benson is facing off against right-handed pitchers, all right-handed pitchers across the board next week at Milwaukee and at the Dodgers. He's been in a pretty strict platoon, though he did face a lefty the other day. So we'll see if that adds more playing time to his docket naturally. But we don't have to worry about that next week. He should face off against six righties coming up next week he is entirely on the road which thinks obviously you want your Cincinnati players to play in Cincinnati as much as possible but that might maybe that brings his cost down a little bit in fab this week if he is available for you Carpenter on the other hand is hitting every day regardless and he's playing he's batting cleanup for Detroit he does play seven this week being on the Tigers with four in Detroit and three in Miami of course Detroit has that makeup game on Monday Carpenter I really want to focus on the if you're a PL Pro subscriber, you use these all you use these all the time. If you're not, you should, and then you should start using them. It's our PLV calculators and the different apps that we have for both pitchers and hitters over at pitcherlist.com. Uh, we measure through PLV the contactability, the swing aggressiveness, decision value, and a bunch of other stuff. But those are the three things I'm going to really focus on with these guys. If you look at Carpenter's rolling charts for in those areas, his contactability, which is how much he makes contact with pitches that he should make contact with versus pitches that he shouldn't be, has been very consistently MLB average all season long. He's been continuously getting more aggressive, so swinging at pitches more aggressively than his counterparts throughout the course of the season. And his decision value just recently took a spike to MLB average. Benson, on the other hand, make, has been making great decisions 
all season long. His swing aggression is extremely low. And we see this with guys like, I'm not comparing him to Juan Soto, but Juan Soto is very similar in this regard. A great hitter who just is not as aggressive as we would like him to be to get those kind of counting stats and the opportunities ahead of him. His contact ability has just recently gotten to MLB average. So he is just making that kind of correction in skills to make the kind of contact on balls in that on pitches that your average major leaguer is making. If this can continue for Benson, obviously he's on a nice little hot streak right now. He's been picked up quite a bit in many leagues already leading up to this and plus his playing time increasing. If he can continue to build off of this and use the skills he's already had to be more aggressive with his swing, he could get really lucky and go on an even hotter streak. At the same time, it could very easily backfire on him as well. So this is why I like actually like carpenter more i just think the entire package is a lot cleaner if the brings the floor up a little bit more as well as just being in the heart of that lineup every day benson is still stuck at the bottom in the nine hole for cincinnati it is nice that he hits most of his games in great american small park that is nice and cincinnati has been a fun team to root for especially with all the call-ups that they've been having and being surrounded by that kind of an environment they actually sold out a game i'm sure they sold out more than one at this point but it was really exciting to hear that they actually sold out a game and it had been a while and even as small as that ballpark is on the field it's got plenty of seats in the stands after hearing all that that like carpenter is was picked up in the ACC last week, I think, or right after the All-Star break. Benson is still sitting out there. Of course, he sits out there as like the top, one of the top three most added players on Yahoo. You pull up the app and you kind of see that. Those are the top three names that come up. Are either one of these guys somebody you'll be interested in for the reasons I stated and or is, are you just assuming that the Flames are going to burn out? No, I think you made a lot of great points. And I think you highlighted the different strengths of both players. I think they're both in that zone where you want to roster. You can't roster both of them on the same team, but if you had to pick one, who's it going to be? For me, it would probably be Benson. I just like the versatility, the kind of all-around game. It can be a downside that he doesn't swing as much as he should, but at the same time, when he does swing, he tends to make better contact, and so he keeps that batting average a little higher than you see on Carpenter. Gun to my head, I would say Benson would probably be the guy that I would want to roster, certainly for long term. That would be my perspective. But if you just need some pop and you need the reliability of having that power in the lineup, Carpenter's probably your guy. Yeah, Carpenter, the other thing is Benson at least will give you a little bit of speed. He's he's got double digit steals in most seasons mm-hmm. in the minors. He's got not yeah, he's got nine stolen bases already at the major league level this season. Didn't have any last year in his little cup of coffee with Cleveland. So he obviously adds a little bit of that. Carpenter doesn't really do that. It's not part of his game. He's also batting cleanup. So it's not something you would really expect out of a cleanup hitter in most sure. scenarios either. So there's that. I would agree. I think Benson probably has a little bit of a higher ceiling, but also a much lower floor. If those decisions start going down and the aggressiveness starts going up, and that's Pretty typical. If a guy makes really great decisions, it's, he's probably not being aggressive. Like he's just deciding to swing at the pitches that he knows he can do something with. And that's, that is something worth noting with Will Benson is that when he decides to swing, 
he's only swinging at the balls he can think he can actually do something with. If he's swinging at a pitch that he thinks he's just going to ground into the dirt or he's going to pop up or something that he knows is not in his wheelhouse, he'll let it go. Even if it's a strike, yeah, he'll let it go. That can be a downside, but ultimately it's a a guy you want to take a chance on, I think, because there there might not be opportunities to do it in the future if you don't know. All right, so some guys that you want to consider, especially if you're looking for outfield help, especially in those five teamers in the NFBC, they're both 69% rostered in the online championship, like I said, 13% on Yahoo. So take a look at both of these guys. And at least for next week, keep in mind, Carpenter does have the seven-game work week, which is which is nice if you're just looking for added plate appearances. And Benson does have the fact that he's not playing in Cincinnati. He's on the road all week. Doesn't mean he won't come back. But he'll face all righties. He can do more with those those situations. All right, let's. We're gonna move into our pitching categories. Before we do that, we talked about opportunity. So I think this is a behoove place for me to let everybody remind everybody that they can plead. They can be taking advantage of those opportunities by playing Underdog Fantasy's Pick 'Em Daily Contest. If you want to make some money and by making some picks on MLB games, then you should be playing Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's pick em game, you just pick your favorite players, predict whether they go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, more, depending on who they're playing against, what teams they're playing against. You can make whatever decisions you want. We'll talk about a couple of those later on, especially in our pitching categories. You pick two to five players. You get all your picks right. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST. That's all one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-C-H-E-R. L-I-S-T, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100, so you can have some bonus cash to start playing with on top of whatever you put in. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Keep in mind, you must be 18 or older, 19 or over in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or over in Massachusetts and Arizona, and be present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms do apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, you can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, you can call one 1- 800-889-9789. Let's get into the guys that can add some wins and Ks to your rotation this week. A lot of these you're going to want to keep in mind if you're playing that pick'em game as well. Some of these recommendations are going to be hitting into a situation where they might be more apt to get more strikeouts than what their pick'em line is going to be, or maybe the opposite. So keep these things in mind. I start off with the guy I just picked up in the ACC for next week. Got a, a couple of days early. It's tricky. We talk about pickups in the ACC, and I'll allude to them in past episodes as well. I think what people should know is that we have a rule where you can only make four ads a week, which obviously hurts your opportunity to stream pitchers every single day, fill in injuries there. You have to be strategic about when you use them and it's head to head. So obviously you can be a little bit more strategic based on what you are doing against your opponent this current week. I'm looking pretty good in pitching. So I was able to get ahead of the game and look toward next week. So I looked at Christopher Sanchez, left-handed pitcher, for Philadelphia, reliever, been moving into the, a starting role, has been doing really good for himself in that role, looking like he has a couple of matchups next week that is going to continue to allow him to do. He does face off against Baltimore, which could go either way, but I like that he's got 
He's in Pittsburgh at the end of the weekend. Is rostered across the main event, but only 50% rostered in the online championship and 14% on Yahoo. Keeping in mind who he is facing off against, like I said, I like that Pittsburgh matchup a lot. Pittsburgh, since June 1st, is batting 229, 308, 352 against left-handed pitching. And they have the fifth worst overall K rate at 26.2%. Baltimore is actually right behind them on the K rate against lefties at 25.5%. I think they're 11th overall or the 11th worst one. So not something to shake a stick at there. So I think that within a week where there are so many teams that have two off days, finding two start pitchers that actually have decent matchups is even harder than it normally is. Christopher Sanchez, if he's still available, especially in your 12-teamers, somebody that you should be targeting. And I think he's going to, especially with his recent success, you're probably going to have to pay up a little bit for him. Yeah, and I was disappointed you got him. I wanted to pick him up earlier in the week, but I wanted to see what he did in his start. And he was pretty solid, not spectacular. And then I locked myself into a different player, and now I have to see where that goes, which we can talk yeah, right. about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, yeah, I think he's a really solid pick. He's the kind of guy you might be able to ride. You pick him up for that two-start week, but you might want to see what you got the following week, too. Yeah, he, Philadelphia has a pretty good schedule moving forward, at least for the next couple of weeks. So we'll see how he fares against Baltimore. I think that's going to be the bigger, obviously, that'll be the bigger test of the two starts he has this coming week. But because of the limitations we have on ads, I'm I'm going to ride him out all week and we'll see how he does against with both starts and see how that kind of moves forward. I'm going to jump into my little bit of a deeper play because I just want to touch on them. I don't think it's somebody, these guys aren't going to be somebody unless I'm really desperate in the situation to go after like i said it is going to be way more difficult to find two-star pitchers with matchups that you really like so ross stripling actually stands out especially since he actually did well in his last start obviously right-hander facing off against detroit in detroit and then they should be faced he should be facing off against the red sox later on in the weekend 60 percent rostered in the main event 5% 5% in the online championships, 15% in Yahoo. And that's because he just started to come recently. So I think there was a little bit of a more of a, that's the thing. Again, these daily moves leagues, the roster ship can fluctuate from time to time as well. Detroit, of course, is the better matchup of the two. They have the fifth worst K percentage right-handed pitchers. And second worst slugging, fifth worst average. It goes on and on here. So you like, especially in a daily moves leagues, you can pick them up for the Detroit and then if you don't want to start him for the Boston, fine. But in those weekly moves where you're kind of locked in, the one against Boston could really go either way. So I, I would take that risk there, especially in a 15-teamer. I think that's a great thing about having a guy with a two-start, right? When he has the weak start to, to begin the week. Because you get him against Detroit, he's probably going to pitch great. You're going to get good stats. And then you see where you are in the end of the week if you actually need to roll the dice against Boston or if you want to put him on the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you're one of those formats where you have that luxury. Absolutely. All right, I think this is the guy you talked about you're a little locked into, so why don't you get into why you're going to continue to stay locked in on him? This isn't the guy I'm locked into. Oh, That's a yeah, reliever. You but pick him up. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I thought about picking up this guy. I, listen, anytime somebody strikes out double-digits players, you got to suddenly stand up and pay attention, right? I remember years ago, I picked up Mike Fears as just a streamer, and he struck out like 13 batters, and I was like, I guess this guy's a permanent fixture on my roster. Let's see what happens. But in this case, I'm talking about Alec Marsh. He had that amazing start against Tampa Bay that kind of 
came out of nowhere and really sent his ownership numbers surging only for everyone who added him to get burned against the Yankees. But the Yankees are still a tough pitching matchup, even without Judge, especially in New York. And I think he he has a nice bounce back start on the line for his matchup against Cleveland this week. Yeah, Cleveland, of course, they find a way to lead that division at any given time, right? But it's never, beyond Jose Ramirez, it's never a lineup that you're actually, obviously what Josh Naylor has been doing recently as well, but it's never an offense where you're like, oh man, I really don't want to face the Cleveland Guardians this week. So it's not something you're scaring, you're going to be scared away from. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see 11 strikeouts again, but you might see something a little closer to what he did against Minnesota a few weeks ago. We struck out five guys at solid ratios, and I think that's what you can expect against Cleveland. If not, there's always a little bit of magic that could be in that arm. We have to wait and see, but I think he's a solid pickup regardless, even if it's a one-star week. Yeah, fair enough. All right, I'll give a quick shout-out to Jake Irvin, who's doing some fun things in Washington. He does face off against Colorado in Washington's always nice to get Colorado on the road. He doesn't have two starts, but in the deepest of leagues, he is readily available. 8% in the main event, 2% on Yahoo. Somebody, especially in a dailies moves league, you might be looking at to stream midweek as his start comes up against the Rockies on the road. Sweet Rocky Road is always something that you want to take note of, especially if you are desperate. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to our ratio hits here. Again, we're looking at ERA and whip doesn't have to be a starter. Usually we talk about relievers here as they're a little bit safer in this category from given time, especially guys that you can pick up off the wire. I bring I brought him up a couple of weeks ago as well. I'm going to bring him up again just because it's just insane what he's been doing. He literally has just moved into his counterpart's role. I'm talking about Joel Pyomps. Pe- of Milwaukee's moved into Devin Williams role that he had with Josh Hader when he was in. He's obviously the clear backup to Williams in the bullpen. If anything were to happen to Williams, he gets traded early. He gets, he gets hurt. He's going to be the guy that you want in there. He's had two strikeouts in each of his last, I think, five outings from both before the All-Star break and continuing after the All-Star break. 36% roster in the main event, 6% in the online championship 35% roster in Yahoo. So it's obviously a name that keeps popping up on one of those top added players. Again, if you need flexibility and you don't trust anybody else, especially in one of these situations that we're going into where there's so many teams with two off days, a guy like Piamps who has the opportunity to pitch three games, especially we see what he's what he ends up doing throughout the course of this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. If he pitches on Sunday, I'm less likely to go after him because he has less opportunity to pitch three or four days in the week. But if he doesn't pitch on Sunday, I like him a lot for this coming week, especially in weekly formats where you're locked into your rotation. You want to get as many innings as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Pineapps is a great ad if he's available in your league, and it could end up being a lot more than just helping with ratios. Especially as you come closer and closer to the trade deadline. I know Devin Williams is not really at the center of people thinking he's going to get traded. They traded Josh Hader as well, even though we saw that coming a little bit at the time. We'll see what they end up doing. All right, you got one guy on here for ratios, and then we'll jump right into saves because these guys all kind of blend together sometimes. Yeah, for sure. This is a little bit of a shot in the dark here, but Bryce Wilson's been pitching pretty well also in Milwaukee. Maybe the kind of guy who can step into that Piamps role if Devin Williams is traded. He's the sort of guy who, he's one of these two-pitch sort of dudes who hasn't been able to get it together as a starter, but I think he can show some, he's had some success here and there and 
Pittsburgh thought they could fix him, but eventually gave up and basically traded him for a Kershaw-like return from Milwaukee. (laughs) And uh, and now he's doing pretty well. He's doing pretty well in in the pen in Milwaukee. And I think he's the kind of power arm that can maybe vulture a win, maybe get some, some holds if your league considers those and just give you some solid ratios across the board. And we'll see where he goes from there. But I've always liked him and I think he's a solid arm going forward. Yeah. The good thing that Wilson has for him is that you don't necessarily always have to rely on him pitching three or four times in the week to get the innings. His last outing, he just went three innings. He's gone multiple. He's got more than a full inning a whole bunch of times in the last couple of weeks where it's built himself up as well from that. So it's nice to know that if push comes to shove, you could just get all the innings out of him in two start in two appearances rather than having to hope cross your fingers they use him for three or four. All right. Like I said, I alluded to saves category. I will just echo. I will start off here and echo what Jay Crumpler said two weeks ago. Tanner Scott in Miami is somebody that should be rostered as AJ Puck has struggled mightily. I believe they already came out and said that Puck is still going to get saves, but Tanner Scott is obviously the guy that's going to take over the role if and when they make that kind of a change. And if Miami doesn't actually trade for another closer as Miami's doing pretty well for themselves and they actually might be buyers at the deadline to kind of shore up those holes that they might have but tanner scott 51 percent in the main event six percent in the online championship i i i would i'm assuming that 51 percent in the main event is going to be close to 100 after this week in the online championship i'm going to go ahead and assume just because saves are so difficult to get and to kind of lock down that we're going to see a very big spike even in those 12-teamers after what we've been seeing out of Puck lately and what we've been seeing out of Scott as well, as Jake talked about a couple of weeks ago. So that's I think that's one that a name that we're going to see and we're going to start seeing a lot more situations as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline where you're going to want to take these, you're also going to want to take more chances on these possible closer replacements in situations where the primary closer could get traded away as well. Something you want to consider doing this week when it's maybe a little bit cheaper in fab than wait until the Sunday of the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. The guy I'm looking at and the guy who's locked me in my team is Kevin Genkel. And this is a guy I'd never even heard of until a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden, he's Tori Lagulo's guy out there in Arizona. I'll be honest, I don't really know what Tori's doing. It seems like he's hasn't quite figured out what he's going for in terms of the bullpen out there. But it seems like Ginkle's the guy right now. And so I say ride the hot hand if he's available. Ginkle, I felt, had his opportunity last year and just did, decided he didn't want it or something because he just was not producing. Everybody thought he'd come in and take it from a Lanson at some point. He just didn't do it. But yeah, Arizona, it seemed as though it was a bullpen. Everybody wanted to avoid going into the season. And then all of a sudden... That's all anybody wanted. I know I wanted Castro on, I had him in a bunch of places. And when he was tearing it up, Chafin obviously just came back from paternity leave, but he had his moment. And that's not to say that he can't come back. Chafin is the only guy I believe that's like under contract. Everybody else is arbitration eligible. So something keep in mind, I bring this up every week because Grant Washburn has really opened my eyes to this situation. And you're going to talk about it with another guy later on, a different team where I think about it all the time. It's just the amount of money that teams could save by spreading out their saves to guys that are arbitration eligible. And unless you got a guy like Craig Krimble, who's contracted out and he ends up with all the saves in Philadelphia, granted, most of their relievers are contracted out as well. But 
it's always going to be something that's always going to be in the back of my mind of who's going to get all the saves. Oh, it's the guy that's actually getting a solid paycheck and their future paychecks aren't going to be determined by how many saves they actually lock in. So something to consider in Arizona, all these guys are going to be our, are or are going to be arbitration eligible in short order. And those saves are going to rack up and they're going to be used in those hearings. Yeah. And you'd hope the guy manager would just go with the guy that he trusts the most. And I would like to think that most managers are probably feeling like they want to have a guy they can count on consistently, but Moneyball is what it is. Right. And this is a little bit like the running back situation that we've seen in some and heard so much about in the NFL the past couple of weeks. And it's just a position that's been devalued a little bit because of the market economics. Sure. The flexibility that teams feel like they can have or should have in that role. So I get that a lot. I talk about it with the Dodgers all the time, though. I'm a lot of usually I get rebutted with the Dodgers have money. They can they can afford to spend on a guy in arbitration. But we see a new option in L.A. coming up as well. Yeah, Ryan Brazier got a save last week, and this is a guy who was a playoff hero for the Red Sox. He was pretty well loved in the town, and he was just so bad that they had to let him go find his way out to Los Angeles. And lo and behold, they've discovered something out there. They've fixed him. He's been putting up great numbers and even picked up a save the other night. And that they've got a, a bunch of live arms in that bullpen. And Phillips has obviously been the guy for the most part, but it just seems like the team doesn't want to commit to him for whatever reason. And Gratterall too, for that matter. A guy like Brazier, he's 0% owned in Yahoo right now, but could be a guy who could get you some good ratios and maybe pick up a few saves down the stretch. Yeah, Dodgers, of course, always going to be in the mix at the trade deadline. We'll see if they actually... There's not a whole lot of solid closers who are going to be on the market, I think. There might be a handful, but I would venture to guess that there's going to be a more closers that move at the deadline that find their way into a role that's not a closer role. Like Trevor May obviously comes to mind. Even Barlow out of Kansas City. Like I don't expect him to go into a new closer role. I would expect him to co- go into the back end of a rotation or in back end of a bullpen. So maybe somebody like David Bednar actually moves if Pittsburgh actually gets what they feel like they can, they should get for him. And he has a couple of years of control still. And obviously he's very good. So we'll see how many of these guys actually. Haters could actually, San Diego could actually end up become sellers and they could actually move Hater wow. before the end of that AJ, deal. AJ Preller's not going to sell. No way. Yeah. AJ Preller will find a way to make moves. Whether he considers it being selling or not is up to him, but he'll find ways to make a move. Simple as that. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Like I said, my other thing is just keep an eye on where you think those moves are going to make and make those spec ads this week. You could probably do it for a lot cheaper than you can next week as things get a little bit clearer before the trade deadline. I'm going to let you hold hold court with the wild card section, which is my favorite section to just listen to the type of players. I almost put somebody on here. It was more of a don't like somebody I had talked about weeks ago that I'm completely out on now. And it was going to be Trevor story as he's coming back. He is supposed to he's supposed to be doing his rehab both at shortstop and DH. Obviously when he comes back with the Red Sox, he'll be DHing pretty much entirely when he does play. I just don't know what to actually expect. I have no faith in, in what I'll actually see out of him fantasy-wise from a production standpoint that I'm taking back my recommendation from like weeks and weeks ago when I said, go ahead and stash him now while you still can. I, I don't know if you've heard anything more. You still live outside of Boston. You still are a little bit closer to the local Red Sox talk 
than I am. Have you heard anything more positive about Trevor's story than I have? I don't think I've heard anything positive about Trevor's okay, story good. ever right. in Boston. <laughs> Fair. I, I think people around here see him as the guy that drove Bogey out of town and then got hurt. And we've had just absolutely atrocious play from the short position all year. So I think everybody, I guess we'll be glad to have him back, but I'm certainly not counting on him doing much of anything. Yeah, fair. All right, you got more interesting players to talk about then. The players that you might actually want to pick up. Perhaps. So Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Fat has been the bane of my existence this year. As I traded up for my waiver priority to get him, I gave up a pick that ended up turning into Encarnacion Strand. So I'm feeling some pangs of regret about that bit, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I think I have to understand why the D-backs hate Brandon Fat so much. It does seem that way. It just seems like they're going out of their way to give this kid the toughest matchups possible at all times. It's really completely bizarre to me. He debuts against at home, which, as we all know, that is a terrible home park for him to be pitching in. And so just to have a home start in Arizona, he's already got one strike against him. And then they decide that it's going to be a good idea to put him up against Texas at the Red Sox, Tampa Bay, he gets called up for a start against. It's like they're trying to ruin this kid's career by putting him up against the toughest. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. I think the Tampa Bay is the one where they actually came out and said, he's here because we don't have another choice. Like, we don't have another option. Like, we have no confidence. Come out and and say, I have no confidence, but you might as well have just said, we have no confidence. They basically said, listen, we hate it too, but what are we going to (laughs) do? And then they pulled the same thing today, going in Cincinnati, putting against that potent lineup. And I'll tell you what, I had him on my bench. I I didn't (laughs) want to take that chance today. And of course, he looked fantastic for the first five innings. So we appreciate uh, your sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, it's it really is. It's true. Anytime I bench a guy, I, it's actually been a pretty good gambling strategy for me this year. If I bench a guy, I bet on him to hit a home run, and I've made there some money <laughs> doing it. So I promise to try to only use these powers for good, but I'll do the best I can. But yeah, so I benched him. He was great for five innings, but then it was the same thing that we've seen from him. He gave up three home runs in the sixth. That's just been the issue with him in the majors. He's given up the long ball, but at least we've seen the flashes Certainly today, he retired 16 straight batters at one point. He looked like he had all his pitches working. Who knows? He might be up to stay now. And if he is, I think he might be worth holding on to for teams. I know the fantasy community has had it with this guy. Believe me, I am numero uno on the anti-Brandon bandwagon for most of the year. But I think I let my emotions subside, as I hope Jared Kalanick can learn to do. I held on to him. And I think... I might be in line to reap some rewards on it. All right. All right. I like it. I know I had plenty of exposure to Brandon Fott earlier on in the season. I drafted him in a few redraft leagues in the hope. Of course, in the NFBC, if you don't draft a rookie, they you cannot pick him up in fab until they make their debut. So, of course, there's always going to be some speculation ads, especially in 12-teamers, where you can take a little bit more chances there. So I had plenty of thought. I had a couple, a handful of Andrew Painters, which obviously have been dropped. And <laughs> Those have expired. Yeah. They would have expired <laughs> until 2025. And so we'll see what happens there. Obviously, if anybody hasn't heard, Andrew Painter has been suggested by the Phillies to get 
Tommy John. I haven't heard a word that he's actually going to do it or not, but the Phillies, if they have their way, he'll have the surgery soon. Getting the Dr. Neil Elatrache, which is always, you know, that's the last And that's the second opinion or is that the first opinion? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Him and James Andrews, if you hear them, if you see them on the Roto blurb, you know what's happening next. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's too bad because I, these guys, I understand Tommy John surgery isn't the automatic bounce back that it's been in the past. So I understand guys wanting to do everything they can to rehab it. But how many times have you seen a guy with a torn UCL say, oh, no, I'm going to I'm going to rehab it and then actually and then it works not out. have to go Tommy John? I think the only guy is who was it Tanaka in, in New York actually was able to pitch fairly effectively yeah. for years. Yeah. But we haven't heard much from him lately, so maybe nobody know. is immune. Look at Jake Jacob Degrom said the same thing. He's like, I'm I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And obviously, yeah. he got his bag. Good for him. And yeah. tried to pitch through at the beginning of the year and did not end well. Never works. It never works. You just gotta. It's I understand now, especially if it's your second one. But you just gotta go ahead and bite the bullet and get the surgery because the sooner you can get rehab and the sooner you can get back. And now Painter's lost a whole year for really two years now because he basically this year was a wash and now he's going to be out probably all of next year. So it's unfortunate. All right. We got one last guy on here is actually going to pitch. I'm hoping he gets another chance. I'm not sure with the, with the angel schedule in their rotation, we'll see if he gets going, but who you got looking at here for your last guy? Yeah, the last shot in the dark here is Chase Sillith. He dominated the Yankees last week. He gave up one run over five and two thirds. Again, double digit strikeouts. I don't know that I'm buying it, but if I had an expendable guy, I wouldn't mind throwing a dart at, at Chase and seeing what they got. He hasn't had a ton of success in the majors, but he's still young. He could figure some things out. Ten strikeouts. It's that's a hard thing to do. If a guy's striking out double digit strikeouts, I think you got to at least give him a look. Yeah, he looked awful earlier on in the season and it's actually his minor league since didn't really look that great either but they called him back up and he yeah like you said he looked great he looks great and it is i know the, the yankees can still be the yankees but they have looked awful <laughs> so i will give him that as well we picked a good time to face off against the yankees the last place yankees i will say i mentioned that baltimore was first it's only fair that i mentioned who's in last in the al east so is somebody, I, I, w- I wonder how many starts Chase will end up getting throughout the course of the next week or two. But if obviously he's, if he gets another one, it's because he earned it. Yeah, I think he earned himself another one. So it might be worth, if you've got the guy that you can let go and you need to take a chance, he might be a guy worth taking a chance on. Yeah. But I will say no refunds if he doesn't. So. Yeah. <laughs> Ross or Resource thinks he's getting a start next Thursday at Detroit. So I'm not, I'm not, too upset, about, not upset about that. Yeah. All right. We will end on that note, Pat. Thank you so much, man, for taking the time. I know you've got a birthday party. You've got to <laughs> <laughs> gotta take care of for the rest of the weekend. So staying up late with me, talking some baseball, talking some fantasy is, is a pleasure. For those who don't know, Pat and I hosted a radio show in college for four years so this is if i had the rights to our intro music i would use that instead just for (laughs) old time i don't think uh i don't think i can get that yeah we don't have the ASCAP numbers that we used to have at the radio station no not so much (laughs) (laughs) no it's my pleasure thanks for having me man it's i love the show it's great to be on here with you and just awesome talking ball so thank you 
All right, guys, that is going to wrap it up for episode 124 of On The Wire. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasting Kevin. And of course, follow the pod itself at On The Wire Pod. I'd like to once again thank my guest, Pat Brown, for joining me this week. You can follow our league and you figure out which one of his, which one of the handles is Pat's at EHCC Trade and see all the little shenanigans we get up to there if that's, if that's your thing. After all that, I am Adam Howe. On behalf of Kevin Hastings, thanks for listening. We bid you goodbye. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.